So, Chris, the people want to know our secrets. How did we get this podcast started? Yeah, kind of a crazy story. We were both coming into this from the YouTube side, have never really done anything podcast-wise. We looked around, found Anchor by Spotify, really great service. It's completely free to use. They have some great stuff that you can just upload straight onto the website. You can actually record on the website. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome into the first ever episode of So Rare in the States. This is Chris Brown. I'm with Chris Nash, my co-host. How are you doing today, Nashy? Doing good, mate. Excited for this project. Excited for the MLS season. Should be good. Yeah, this is a really cool little project. No one really in this space yet, so we wanted to kind of get in and get a podcast going about the MLS, about So Rare in the MLS Um, and kind of bring a few more people over to the States, maybe from Europe that are playing Challenger Europe, that are playing in Champion Europe. As those leagues are going to be off during the summer, we want to give you guys a little bit of a head start in getting your teams ready to go. So that's a little bit maybe about the show here. What are your kind of expectations here, Nashi, about where this show is going to go? What are you excited about? And what are you excited to see uh, us get to? Oh, I really think I'm going to be in a similar position when it comes to the MLS. There's a lot of players on so rare, a lot of fans around the world in the sense that I'm interested in football. I'm pretty confident with my knowledge of football as a whole. But when it comes to the MLS, it's, it's so different to any other league. I've, been, I've lived in the States for a few years now. I'm still struggling to get my head around the nuances. So I think there'll be a really nice dynamic. Obviously, you're way more versed on the league itself. So yeah. I'll be coming in as they call me the so rare. They call me the MLS nerd too. So I know all the different little rules yeah. and nuances that no one else cares to know and that really don't matter. But at the end, uh, I'm here if you need me. If you have any questions, feel free to ask. No, that's it. Yeah, it's going to be a learning experience for me, but also I think hopefully for uh, some people out there too, we'll get into it. We'll pick your brain and we'll talk about football. That's the most important thing. That's always the most important thing, right? Um, So we're going to get into what we're going to do for this week. Um, So we have a few different things that we're going to do. We're going to recap the season a little bit. So the first four weeks, uh, we're just going to assume that pretty much everybody hasn't been paying attention, has been kind of focused on Challenger and Champion Europe. Uh, So for those guys, we're going to get you a little bit of a recap, get you guys kind of up to speed. Um, for the other people that have been paying attention that maybe do have an MLS team, we are going to throw some some other stuff in there as well. We're going to get a little bit deep. We're going to uh, break down some players. We're going to give our thoughts on some people. So definitely stick around for that. Then we're going to talk a little bit about the announcement. We're recording this Monday night, so it is going to be coming out tomorrow for us. Just a little bit about expectations, um, maybe what you would want to see, maybe what you hope it's not. Um, and, and we'll kind of get into that a little bit. And then we also want to talk, obviously, new cards coming out uh, at some point here, hopefully, in the next few weeks. Um, generally, this is about the time that we start getting the new season cards out in MLS. So maybe just a few players you're excited to see, a few guys that uh, that you're just kind of keeping an eye on. So I guess I'll throw it over to you. Where do you want to go first with this, Nashi? What, what topic do we want to hit first? Well, we've, we've had kind of a natural break in the season here. And for me, coming from the outside, this is the, the year that I'm throwing myself fully in on the MLS. I'm all in on it. And 
my expectations before the season was a little looking a little naive now, and I expected almost the last year's performances to be a reflection of this year. And I've been pretty surprised because, as as you probably noticed as well, some of the top performing teams, the NYCFC, the Seattle, even they've they've not got off to a flying start after you know big hype preseason. So why do you think that is? What's sort of with the insider knowledge you have? What what's What's happened there? What's going on? So there's really two things that are going to explain what's going on with that. And to be to be upfront, this is kind of expected a little bit. Um, so for the the Seattle's, the NYC's, the New England's of the world, they're dealing with the after effects of the CONCACAF Champions League. Now, teams in Europe, and you guys may not be used to this, teams in Europe are very deep. They have huge academies that they can call on. They have huge roster sizes. You can pay as much as you want for your roster. So there is really no limit on the amount of talent that you can have. Being here in the MLS, there's a roster, uh, there's a salary cap. So you can't just throw as much money as you want. You can't get as many players as you want. You really have to focus on getting quality into your first 11. That's great for the actual quality on the field during the regular season, means it's very difficult to play during the midweeks, though, especially when you're playing midweek and your opponent is not. That is going to explain a lot of the issues for some of the really big names uh, that I mentioned before. Um, some of the other teams that we kind of expected to be better, maybe that aren't quite off to a great start that aren't in the CCL, a lot of that you can just kind of chalk up to noise. Um, sometimes the explanation is that they weren't really that great last year. Sometimes the explanation is they're... Uh, like, for example, Vancouver went on a great run at the end of last year. I thought they would be pretty good this year, and they have been horrific. That happens sometimes. MLS teams just go on these crazy runs where they just don't look like they could beat anybody. Um, so it is definitely expected. This isn't um, – we're, f- we're four weeks in, five weeks in. This isn't, you know, the end of the road. Seattle is not out. NYC is not out. New England is not out. All that means is that they have a little bit of a tougher hill to climb. They're typically not going to get like first, second seeds in the uh, in the playoff race, so they'll probably have to play some playoff games away. But those teams should still be around when we are talking about playoff time. Now, we might have to talk about those teams individually because some of them actually have flaws, so they may not make the playoffs. But generally, those teams, Seattle never starts well. Seattle, last year they started really well, which was kind of odd. But Seattle always starts really, really poorly. And then come the end of summer, they start rounding into form and they're an absolute monster come come playoff time. So what are your what are your kind of thoughts? Do you have any questions about that? Did you did I kind of answer what you were looking for there, Nashi? Yeah, well, well where, you, where you're saying that, I think like the the thing that I'm looking at from coming in is there's, there's teams like a, a Nashville and they've got mm-hmm. I was going to buy Walker Zimmerman. Mm-hmm. And I looked, he had something like seven or eight away games on the bounce to start the season off. Right. And so I guess my follow-up question would be, with is there a trend? Is there a start of the season? Is there something now that you can pick out from these games that we can apply to so rare, to the market, things where there might be a little edge with your knowledge. So we might see a team like Seattle, like you say, maybe not performing, but you're sort of saying it's not time to sort of jump yeah. ship with them just yet. They yeah. always have a slow start you still believe in the longevity of the quality they have. Right. And honestly, you might even be better off getting a Seattle stack now, right? You might, you might've been better off just kind of passing on the regular on the start of the regular season. 
And then when they inevitably have their slow start, then you kind of get back in at this point and you get your Seattle stack because it's much, much cheaper now and the players are still just as good. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't have any problem with um, kind of grabbing some of those guys that we thought about in the preseason that maybe haven't lived up to expectations yet. Jack Price is another one in Colorado who's kind of under underperformed to start the season. But I don't have any problem picking him up. I don't have... I mean, you're honestly getting a pretty good deal at this point if you pick up a guy like that. Um, so I think that's yeah. – um, uh, yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say, and, and on the flip side, is there any teams that you had low expectations that you either think you've either reevaluated your position on them or that you think that actually they're kind of doing the opposite? They're off to a flying start, but eventually they'll fade and you almost do the opposite. Does anyone stand out? Because I know before the yeah. season – I told you I've got a little soft spot for Chicago, and they've started yeah. pretty strong. I was going to say, I don't want to give up. One. I don't want to give up on them. <laughs> you were going to love me for this one, yeah, Chicago. I mean, there. I have two teams that come to mind when you say that. Chicago is one of them. Like I, and this is probably this Chicago's more of the one that I think can stick around and can be competitive. I didn't think they had any talent on this team. Typically, when you get rid of as many players as they did, you tend to struggle the next season. But they've really pushed it together, and I think you make a really good point, and we've talked about this before, um, how how Shakiri has really made a big difference in that locker room. So I don't know if you want to kind of explain what you mean by uh, when Shakiri has a big, big difference on the locker room. Well, yeah, we, we were discussing it, and I was sort of backing him to come in, not just because he's quality, but also, you know, if you've played football, if you've been around a dressing room, I, there's a lot of ego when there's a lot of, you know, people in a dressing room. You get someone like, who's clearly a cut above, Jordan Shakiri walk in. And players like the Gaston Jimenez, some other big names in the, the dressing room that weren't quite firing, weren't quite all in in the last couple of years for Chicago, they're going to look at him and whether it's through pure pride or ego or something, they're going to want to impress him. You know, They're going to want to up their game. And I just kind of had an inkling that like, and I think the same will happen in Toronto when Insigne goes. And I've been on, I've been on the side of that too, where you, you get a new player in the team and he just single-handedly brings the whole level up. It could be a coach too sometimes, but not so much in the MLS, but you've seen it in Europe as well. It just takes it up a notch because people are now playing up to their level. He brings the whole thing up. And I thought that Shakiri might have that impact beyond what his actual skills on the field are bringing. And I also think Chicago have done something interesting where they've really developed the spine of their team. So when they've right. brought, brought in... Um, Casper Prozilko, probably probably butchered that name, but Should up front, be. he's proven. Yeah, he's not, you know, he's not doing anything fancy. He's not, but he does his job. He's solid. He's going to get goals. He's going to get in the box and be a presence. Right. Then through the spine, they they got Chichos at the back. Again, solid get. defender. Huge get. Yeah. Slonina. And in the midfield, they've got Gaston Jimenez, who I expect to be better than he has been, more motivated for the reason we've talked about before. And in Shakiri too, with some creativity. And I think that their spine of their team is really solid. And they haven't got anyone standing out, out wide. And often they're the players that jump off the roster sheet. But you can't be, it can't be overlooked having a solid spine in any level of football, whether it be in the MLS, Europe, anything. It's really fundamental. I think they've really worked on doing that. And hopefully they can bring in Torres in uh, May, I think it is. And if he reaches up to his high up and potential, maybe he can bring extra creativity. And I don't know. I, th I think they're making a the playoffs, like I said to you. So 
Yeah, I yeah, mean, I'm, I'm, I'm I, was, I was not in that boat when the season started. I am getting much closer to that boat now. There's the East is the East is kind of weird though. They've got a lot of like good teams, but no real great teams. So it's kind of wide open, but at the same time, there's no I mean, there's a few like really, really bad teams, but pretty much everybody outside of maybe Montreal, Miami, and I, maybe even Charlotte is kind of creeping into that conversation now to where they could be even a half-decent team. There's really no horrible teams that you're just going to rack up points against. So, yeah, I mean, it's tough. It's tough to separate these teams, Chicago and and D.C., and New York Red Bulls. and I mean, I mean Red Bulls is another one that – we're talking about teams with a fast start, teams that maybe can't sustain it. I mean, Lewis Morgan has been playing out of his mind. Frankie Amaya is maybe the MVP of the first month, which is absolutely absurd. Um, I mean, Lewis Morgan, we kind of maybe could have expected this from, but Frankie Amaya has never shown signs of doing what he's doing this year. And it mm-hmm. kind of makes me wonder if they can keep this up. Um, when you really look at the we, results... We, um... Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, with, with Amaya, there's been a lot of hype. Obviously, his price has skyrocketed on yeah. so rare, and his scores have, have been monstrous. And that has been a lot of the discussion I've seen on Twitter, in the Discord and stuff, is is this sustainable, right. not just for the Red Bulls, but for him personally, because the level he's sort of come in out of nowhere and at such a young age and playing at, it, it seems, I mean, it seems hard to sustain, but if what, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I don't... I don't know that he really is going to sustain that. I hope he can. I'm rooting for him. You know, like first pick overall, I think he came out of UCLA from college. Um, not a lot of guys get a really, really great chance to be really special coming out of college. There's really only a handful that are that are really, really good. The college produces a lot of solid players, doesn't really produce a lot of superstars. But we're seeing a few guys. I mean, Daryl DK, Walker Zimmerman, guys that came through the draft that are really, really good. Um, so yeah, I'm definitely rooting for him, but man, he's producing at such a high level that I, I mean, is he really going to produce Carlos Hill type numbers every week that see, I don't think so, which is why, uh, him and Morgan and to a certain extent, Klamala, I think I, I just can't see them producing this much. And you also got to take a, take a look at their schedule too. They play two of the worst teams in the MLS and then, they had, uh, I think they played on the road against Minnesota and at home against somebody else. Um, and they, or no, they, I think they played two home games and they drew one and lost one. So, yeah, I, I think, um, I think it's something, again, this is something that I've overlooked. I'm slowly starting to sort of make light of, and that is the, the home and away advantage mm-hmm. in terms of scheduling does seem, pretty important in the u.s one for the traveling and two i noticed when i went to my first few mls games this past month that the away presence of the away fans isn't there for the same reasons obviously it's hard to go follow your team in la from new york and vice versa so i'm starting to think strategically maybe maybe i can in in all of football obviously home advantage is a thing but do you think the mls even more so for them reasons, or, or do you feel differently for other reasons? What was kind of in, in that little nuance? There's something I've sort of picked up coming into it. Yeah, so I mean that's that's a good question, and and that is one thing that we see in the data. Um, 
I have I, I work for a sports betting company and they have access to a ton of data and one of the things that they have is kind of like home and away percentages and the MLS is so much higher than most of the other leagues around the world. I think the home team wins about 50% of the time and it's about 25 and 25 um, for draw and away win, um, which when you really think about it is a gigantic advantage considering that these teams are, and, and the reason is these teams are all pretty much equal. They're built to be, there's no Liverpools, there's no Ajax, there's no Bayern Munich. They're built to be equal. They're all built to be the same. So when you get that tiny little home field advantage and you have the exact same two teams, it really magnifies the results. Um, Whereas if Liverpool goes on the road to Brentford, they're still probably going to win. You know what I mean? Um, Mm -hmm. Because there's just such a big gap between those two teams. But there really is not a gap in MLS teams. You can find talent on every MLS roster. Even the the two worst teams in the league have some really, really good players on their team. And if they could get a coach and, and figure out how to have a locker room that's together, they could even make a run this season. Um, so this is yeah. this is a little off the off the cuff question that, that just got me thinking about that. Yeah, you're talking about small little factors having a bigger impact because of essentially the skill edge of two mm-hmm. teams is different. Is that going to mean for me looking at it, a specific injury to one player may have way more of a bigger impact than I might intuitively think applying something like my European knowledge because of the squads and because of what you said, the, the impact of one, say, decent player, a top five player in that side getting injured mm-hmm. might have a way bigger impact on the overall team's performance and scoring on so rare yeah. than an injury that an injury in Liverpool's midfield or front line, they've got quality to bring in. It's right. not going to make as big of a difference. That's, that's where my head went with that. What, do you kind of agree with that? Yeah, I think you make a really good point there. That's not something that I've really looked into. Um, but intuitively that makes a whole lot of sense. When Liverpool loses somebody, they bring in, you know, Genie Wijnaldum off the bench, although he's obviously a PSG now, but that's who I always thought their bench midfielder was for some reason. Um, so they bring in Genie Wijnaldum, who's still better than everybody at Brentford. So they still are going to be way better than, you know, everybody else. Whereas in the MLS, you get three DPs. If one of your DPs goes down or if one of your DPs is not playing well, that can be a death sentence. That was what Chicago had last year was their DPs just did not play well. And you just, you really can't bounce back from that. Um, that, That's to a certain extent, that's the problem with DC United right now is Edson Flores is just not, just not pulling his weight as a DP. You are expected to be kind of either a creative force or a goal scoring force, or um, maybe sometimes I think there's only three defenders, maybe, maybe a lockdown defender. But you're really expected yeah, so, to contribute quite a bit. So yeah, an injury would would definitely make a big a big difference on that. Yeah, and just for the, um, there's probably going to be some new fans listening to this, and you saying DP, like it might have been to me a yeah. couple of years ago, saying what, what's he talking about TV? Do you want to just a brief brief run through of what that means for the simple man? I know that a lot of the MLSP yeah. will be rolling their eyes right now, but just to just to catch people up if they are a little confused. Yeah, so this is where MLS Nerd comes full uh, full circle here. Um, so DP is, stands for Designated Player. It's a it's a player within the salary cap of the MLS that um, it, it, they essentially don't count towards the salary cap. They do count, but it's just a, a smaller percentage. So essentially, you can pay them whatever you want. 
basically this is how they they call this the Beckham rule because this is how they signed David Beckham. They made a rule that you could pay guys whatever you want so they could pay David Beckham whatever he wanted and he came to LA Galaxy. It worked out so well that now every team gets three of these every year. Um, there's a lot of intricacies and different things that you can do and you know the salary cap numbers that you can manipulate. But just as a broad sense, when you see someone as a DP, typically that is one of your top three players on the team. It's certainly going to be your one of your three highest paid players on the team. All right, yeah, that's, that's good enough. Um, so moving on to looking forward here, we're going to have the new cards released coming soon, we think. Is there anyone in particular you're excited for? What do you think that's going to do to the whole market for the MLS cards? There's obviously a lot of speculation around that yeah. in the Soria community. I'm curious myself. Um, what are your general thoughts on new cards coming out on the market and also on individual players? Yeah, so when we talk about the overall um, the overall market, obviously the new cards provide new supply. It'll be less of a percentage of supply this year than it was last year. So the supply side will not make as big of a dent in the prices as it did last year, but it still will make a dent. So we still do expect the price to go down. Um, specifically the price on 2020 and 2021 cards will go down. The 2022 cards will have that new season bonus and everyone will be excited to see the new designs and everybody will want those cards. Um, so it may be harder to sell a card and, People may not be paying a whole lot for the new card, or people may pay more for the new cards than uh, than they're willing to pay to buy one of your old cards. If that makes any sense. Um, from the from the overall market, I think some people will sell off European teams so to buy MLS in Asia. So I think you'll see a, a small dip in the in the European market as well. Typically, that's where you're going to see about the smallest European prices for the year is when the new MLS cards come out. You're a couple months away, maybe a month away from the end of the European season. People say, well, you know, it's as good a time as any to, to kind of trade in my cards now and, and go and get um, go and get an MLS or an Asian team. So I think you'll see a, a little dip whenever those cards are announced and do come out. I think you'll see a little dip on that side. What, what do you think about Because obviously you have a ton of experience with, with more of the European side, and I know you have European teams. What do you think that market kind of does um it's kind of a tricky one i think that actually right now is a very hard time to predict because obviously we've got the announcement coming tomorrow i think the implications of that and people's assumptions of that are going to dictate the market activity in the kind of off season or the slow season now um if there's transparency if there's a clear path to what sorry are going to do it gives people confidence to go in and plan ahead of time right i'm thinking the same thing myself if they say we're going to improve d2 maybe i start thinking now i'm going to plan that team out i need to start getting them super rares in because there's not not so many of them Mm -hmm. if there's still this kind of uncertainty if things aren't really cleared up if the roadmap's not sort of mapped out the way that people would like it to then i do think that we could see another little decline from the point we're at now steady and then obviously usually a month or two, that natural thing happens anyway. And a month or two before the European season, right. people start planning their teams. They set how much, the, if they want to put more money into the platform or reinvest money that had previously taken out, that'll start picking back up then. So you're probably right about, you know, over the next couple of months, if you're planning for next season, could be 
probably is the best time, as good of a time as it's going to get. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of uncertainty and a lot's riding on the announcement tomorrow. So when it comes to the MLS cards, my kind of theory was, I think it can go one of two ways from kind of tied into that with a player pool. Either people are going to, if there is a sort of hooked on so rare and into it as we are, they're going to maybe think they're going to be disciplined and say, no, I'm going to sit out the summer. But, you know, they're a bigger man than me if they can do that. Because I think a lot of people get itchy feet, want to yeah. get just, ah, oh, just get a little, little D4 team just yeah. to run it, just to have something to sweat. And I was kind of predicting that if people do that, they'll be kind of newer to the MLS, not so fanatic. And they'll be maybe picking up the more well-known players, the bigger names, mm. because naturally, yeah. from a European standpoint, there's a few guys you've heard of, Douglas Costa, Vea, Chicharito. And if you're going to come into it, you want to, you know, everyone wants players that they've heard of playing for them. It's just a nice feeling. It's a nice connection. So I kind of was hedging on that, but it doesn't look, it's not paying off for me so far. All the prices have gone down yeah. at a minute. But I, I, I kind of think maybe... Like like you said, there could be a dip when the new s- supply comes out, but I think the top players might still hold their um, their value. The top under twenty threes, the top tier players who can get you um, D three rewards, you know, where it's competitive, where there's no threshold. I think they might still hold their value because there's still a lot of football, a lot of time over the summer. It stretches out, so I think people will be I think people will be getting in, and if they don't, of course, then on one hand, it's when you're holding the MLS cards, it's not it's not ideal because their price is going to go down if you're looking to sell them. But there'll be less competition. The rewards will be out there. Maybe you can make up with it so some uh, some good results. So I'm excited so, for the summer. I'm looking forward to it. So I've let me ask Chicago, you this. Uh, <laughs> you got your Chicago stack on. I know. I know. You keep telling me about it. Um, so let me ask you this. Where do you, send, where do you stand on that whole... Um, selling off a team at the end of the season in order to go and buy a team that's in season and continue to play, continue to rack up rewards versus doing the opposite and buying guys at the end of the season, knowing that they're not going to play over the summer, um, buying a European team so that when August and September rolls around, now you've got a better European team than maybe you could have afforded when those prices start to really rise. Where do you stand on that? Because it is a trade-off, right? You're basically sacrificing a few months worth of rewards in order to get a better price on your team for next season. Where do you where do you kind of fall? How do you play that with your teams? Yeah, I think it kind of touches on the core of what makes so rare so great and it is so versatile on how you use the platform. Yeah. I if you're a sort of a maybe a DFS guy or you really know the MLS, maybe you think your expectation, you'll be able to outperform the other players in the game. You'll be able to win more rewards than the decline in your cards and it'll be a better investment for yourself if you're really good at the game. Other people say, oh, I know the European market. I think I can... But that's based on sort of financial planning. That's what I mean when I say touching the core. A lot of people are going to just play to try and make some money. They're trying to build their gallery build their valuation and fair play to them like that's in their rights but if you're someone who's there and enjoys so rare and loves it like myself you don't want to be sitting out two months you'll take a little hit on sort of your uh, expectation or a little loss that you know just to not have to sit out so i think it comes down to personal preference 
Are you playing for fun? Do you want to be involved? Do you want to be watching football games all around the world, all hours of the night? Or do you want to have a decent pile of money to go into the European season with? I don't really think there's a right or wrong answer. I think it's, I think it's a personal decision. But if it's me, I'm not sitting out for two months. I can't do it. I'll take the loss. <laughs> I'll take See? the L. See what I did over this MLS season? I said, I know MLS. I don't really know Europe that well. Um, and all of you guys obviously know Europe much, much better than I do. I mean, I obviously know some of the players, but I don't know it as well as you guys do. So I'm just going to sit out. I'm going to take my hands off the off the wheel here. I'm going to buy some guys that I know in MLS that I know are going to go up. And it did work. Um, I did, you know, I did get a better team than I probably should have been able to afford otherwise, but man, the end of those two months, like around the end of January, I was just, I could not take it anymore. I don't think I'll ever fully sit out. And this was also the shortest MLS off season in history. It was like 67 days. It wasn't that long, um, uh, because last season ended really late because of COVID and this year starts really early because of the world cup. So, uh, I was, I was sweating, man. I could not take you're, it. And it was, I, I'll never do you're that You're a better again. man than me. I'll never do that yeah, again. I mean, I me. barely a better man. Like, I won't do it again. <laughs> like, I, uh, I'll definitely yeah, have some of my some of my stuff, but I'm going to keep a team in Europe next season for sure. Yeah, just, just for mental health reasons. The, the therapy would cost for me more than the, the drop in the card prices. So I need... <laughs> You know, I mean, I think, uh, yeah, it's not going to happen for me from day one. But, but yeah, I think that's that's what people are kind of weighing up right now. I think, especially those who don't necessarily already have an affinity with the MLS, um, they're probably weighing that up. Seeing that's the kind of decision they're either weighing up whether they can win more rewards with their strategy if they back themselves, or they're weighing up whether they want to they can sit out for a couple of months and not not enjoy so rare, or you know. They weighing up the money. Do they do they think that there's a really good ROI and mm-hmm. a different strategy where they do sit out, go against the market, and yeah, everyone has their own way of playing. Everyone has their own strategy. I think that's that's the beauty of the game. So, um, be interesting to see see what just, happens. Just one more thing to add here before we move on. I also, um, I also over the course of those sixty seven days, I forgot how hard this game is too. Like I was building my teams, and I'm like, boy, this team's gonna be great. We're gonna be running a reward every week. I'm gonna be in the money here, and I still I I still have not run a reward yet. It's been four MLS weeks and kind of a little half week, and I uh, I still have not been able to to cash in. Um, I've hit some of the E thresholds, but I have not actually won a card reward. And I'm just sitting here in my mind like this these teams should have been really good. Like I I just I forgot how difficult it is and how competitive the uh the rewards can be so maybe just something to keep in mind there when you're when you're thinking you're gonna roll all over the mls it's only gonna get more competitive in the summertime yeah i think the um yeah and i think but i think it comes there's a lot of obviously luck variance and you know if you've got a good scoring team over the season you'll go on a little heater and it's happened to me there's been i've had months where I, i feel like i'm just banging out top rewards every week i'm the best player ever Exactly. And then on the next three weeks, I won't I won't have a sniff of a of a reward. And you know, you just got to look at it kind of the long term. If you back your knowledge, which obviously you should, you know, you're going to be picking up these players. And over the course of the season, like you said, in the short term, there's a lot of wild things that can happen. But yeah, I think they'll probably they'll probably churn out churn out uh, a good return for I'm you. Gonna and your, you your patience. I'm going to hold you to that. Will have, will have when paid I off. 
If I don't yeah. want a reward in the next few weeks, you're going to be hearing from me here, Nashi. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, all right, all right. Um, so we're going to move on here uh, to, we have, I think, one more topic to go through. And that's the announcement. So we, we touched on it a little bit. You know, obviously the announcement's going to change a lot of our strategy and a lot of things that we're kind of planning. And, and based on what it is, based on how nice or not nice it is, um, I think that is is definitely going to change. You said it really well. It's going to change how you plan out your team. Um, so I'm just going to ask you really quickly here. What are your kind of expectations? Where do you think this is going? Um, I yeah, it's a it's a tough one. I think that there's some things. There's obviously a lot of people in the community that bring up a lot of issues that they have. Um, I'm a little bit out of touch with it, not because. I don't think that the people are right, but fundamentally why I back Soria, why I value Soria is the, the amount that it connects me to football on a deeper level. Right. And fundamentally it's hard. It would be football has been my favorite thing in, in my life. And it's hard fundamentally to find a product that makes me enjoy my favorite thing right. five times more, you know? So once I realized that I'm back in that, that thing, that connection to Soria, They've got something that is invaluable to a football fan. So there's a lot of things about the rewards that are valued. There's a lot of things about the communication, yeah. growing pains, all these things that people want to see addressed, promises not kept. But, and and, and they've, they're valid. So I don't know necessarily what they can do. I think the communication can be better always. Sure. sure. Yeah. I think trans, transparency ties in with that. I think that's all people want. Even if they're not getting what they want right away, if you say, look, I know that this is an issue. This is something we're going to get to. We just had this big corporate money coming in. There's a lot of expectations, a lot of moving parts. It's hard for us to get on it now, but we, we hear you. We're going to get towards it. I think that will take away the bulk of sort of the ire that they're getting from the community at the minute. Yeah. And, and like I said, there's nothing... There's nothing that they're going to announce tomorrow that's going to get me jumping out my seat for joy and change my view of the whole platform in a positive or negative way. I think I am in the minority there, but um, yeah. So I'm 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 looking forward to see what happens more from a strategic standpoint. You know, it's it's fun if they announce that. Yeah, maybe the legends cards are going to be uh, utilized more finally, or they're like maybe the Premier League two is going to get improved. Yeah, or new league. I don't if, think they're if they announce the if they announce the Premier League, do, does that make you stand up and, and scream? Or well, I'm a West Ham fan, so I'm already in the I'm I'm already fine. <laughs> I'm fine as it is. I don't need the rest of the team. You know what I mean? But no, I mean that would be that would obviously be huge. That would be huge, and I think it's almost would be huge. Not just I I fully believe in Syria. I back it for the reasons I just said, mm-hmm. but. I think it will be huge in the sort of overall sentiment, the eyes that it will bring to it. It will be such a big, it will get it to the place I think it's going to go to so much quicker. And that can't be a bad thing, you know, that can't be a bad thing. So Premier League would be amazing. There's a lot of players there. There's a lot of fans of the Premier League that I'll bring to the table. But I don't think that's going to be, I think it's going to be more addressing the stuff that's been ongoing for a while, this, the technical stuff. But yeah, Premier League would be brilliant too. So you um, think? But yeah, it's, I, I don't have any. Sorry, you you think it's more like, you think it's more like little tweaks, more more so than big swings. Um, well, well, 
Yeah, I'd say maybe like, it depends how you define it, but I'd say maybe they're going to talk about the progression bar. I think that would make so much sense coming into the off-season. They might say in July, we're going to implement the progression bar, right? Yeah. Give you enough time to plan for that. Give people who have grinding the threshold time to either readjust their strategy from that time. I think that would be a very smart and reasonable time to give that information, give people the summer to replan and have transparency, the things we're talking about. But that yeah. would be a huge shift in the ecosystem in a way to remove the threshold, which is fundamentally a, a big part of how a lot of people play the game. But so, yeah, that would be a huge shift. But for me and, you know, where I'm so, sort of at in my managerial journey, it wouldn't necessarily change all that much. But for some people, it would. And yeah. but I think as, if they do it, you're never going to keep everyone happy. You know, you're never going to keep wherever they announce. Some people are going to like it. Some people are going to hurt. But yeah, if they have transparency, exactly. communicate it, share their reasons, you can't knock them. You know what I mean? It's, I, I, I'd be happy with that. So is there anything you're looking out for in particular or any yeah, make I mean, or I, breaks for you? I think you hit it on the head here. Like I think, and what I'm kind of hearing from you is that we just kind of have to be patient and, and know that these things take time. Um, now, you, like you're saying, communication, we can we can say that we're working on these things and to a certain extent they have said that they're working on these things um and and you're you're talking about maybe changing a bunch of things once the european season ends which honestly is what i expect as well i expect because this is about this time last year they came out and said that the thresholds were going to be removed and it was going to happen sometime around may and you know all these big changes were going to happen in may and they ended up bringing out limited cards and and this whole thing, and they did make huge, huge changes during the European offseason, which I think is typically how they're going to run their year. They're going to keep things mostly the same during the European season, which I think is actually pretty commendable. I think most people are going to want to play Challenger Europe and Champion Europe, and I think you don't make changes in the middle of game weeks, you know? I mean, obviously, football is a mm -hmm. year-round sport, so you're never going to have a true offseason to make all of your changes, but I think they've They've kind of taken it on the chin a little bit. There's been some some very harsh, you know, sentiment from the community, which in some respects is fair. But you also have to see it from their perspective, and they're trying to build a company that's not – they're not trying to solve the issues for this week. They're trying to build a company for the next 50 years that's going to give us this game that we all love. And if it takes – you know, six months for that stuff to come out and for them to, to take their time and hire staff and get it right, then I'm all for that. You know, take your time. Uh, again, wish they would say that, <laughs> you know, we're hiring staff, we're getting everybody up to speed, we're going to have a plan, we're going to change a bunch of stuff in the summer. That could have come out in December, you know. Um, but if that is the way that they go and it seems like they're hyping up this announcement quite a bit, so it seems like some actual pretty major changes are probably coming, whether that be the threshold coming off, whether that be limited pro, whether that be, you know, any number of things that they could change. Um, I think it, I think people are generally probably going to be pretty happy about the, about the um, changes because I think they just yeah, want change. Like they just, they're kind of, it's kind of stale, you know, they've been playing the same game six well, months in a row and I, I think they just want something else. What do you have? Well, I think the, I think you can go as deep as you want with this, but I think that there's, there's something interesting in terms of sort of like the which segment is being vocal from the community. And 
kind of it ties into I'd like to know kind of what SoRare's vision long term in terms of who they want their customer to be, right? Yeah. So if their customer is someone who's playing the game because it's a competitive game and they're trying to make money because that's the, that's the currency of the game, you know, you you make good trades, you sell for more, you yeah. win prizes, you that that's the currency of the game economy and that's a sign of winning. But a lot of people play in the game now with one team. I have some friends who are like it. They'll put their team in, they'll leave it, they'll watch a couple games. They're enjoying it. They don't know anything that's going on with like the reward distribution. They don't know. They're just mm. playing for fun. They're football yeah. fans. They love football. They've got a little disposable income. They stick it in there. They're playing so rare because it's fun. And I don't hear actually too many complaints from them people. There's a lot of complaints from the people, the demographic, which are, are valid and important that part of the community, but the right. demographic is maybe playing for to make to yield a good return on their investment to you know to try and win to try and make money to try and improve and they're valid in doing that i'm I'm one of them too i like to I like to compete I like to win and all them things but yeah. from sometimes you get these companies where you get maybe so rare turn around and say, well we don't really care about the guys who are trying when we were getting trying to get to two three million we don't care about the guys who are trying to make money on the platform that's not really sustainable we care about the football fans so maybe the things like rewards and issues like rewards and things like this they're surrounded to that group that's you know rewards are tied to money yeah it's fun to win rewards but fundamentally the fun part is picking the players you like having that connection and watching them so I think a lot of the sort of really recreational demographic in so rare aren't even going to be on the Discord or on Twitter talking about it. They're just logging in once a week, playing their teams, yeah. buying a couple of players here and there, making some probably bad trades like a lot of my mates are. <laughs> and they don't really care. They're just enjoying it. They're not the yeah. ones whose voice you're hearing. They might be enjoying the, you know, the new weeklies or whatever it is. They yeah. might enjoy just having a legend in their gallery, even if there's no utility. I'm just, I'm not I'm not sort of trying to dismiss the criticism. I think it's fair and valid. But what I'm saying is it's very interesting to see what Sorare's perspective would be because whether they'd be sort of more leaning towards making the product more entertaining even if it's at the cost of making it less profitable for certain demographics. So That's a really um, really yeah, good point. Yeah, I think this, this yeah. This That's announcement a- would tell us a lot. Yeah, I think that's a really good point that you make there, and one that I haven't really considered is is guys that just play for entertainment's sake and play for fun, um, guys that aren't looking for a return and you know are are really only putting in money that they expect to lose. And I have quite a few friends who who kind of do that with the sports gambling thing. It's it's like, I mean, you know, the house has an edge, right? You know, overall you're going to lose money, overall you're going to lose. And you can tell them all these things and like you can make it make sense. It's logical. It makes sense. And, and a person like me, I I can't get behind that. Like I can't I can't do that. But um, but people definitely do it. And the, and the reason I always get is, well, it makes the games more interesting. It makes it makes me want to watch the games. And I think to a certain extent, that's where Surer is like Surer can really get into that space where, yeah, you can make money from this. And, yeah, you can get a return um but it can also just be entertainment it can also make the games more fun to watch how much fun was it watching john you know be in the stadium and seeing his guy get a decisive you know like the game that we went to none of my players got a decisive which is a different story but that's fine that's that's another day 
Um, but how much fun is that when when uh, when John gets to see guys in this? You know, he's in the stadium watching, and, and one of his guys score. And uh, I I think that's a that's a great point that you make, and one that I've not really heard before, and one that I haven't really considered. So kudos to you for that one. No, I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll wait with sort of bated breath because I mean, I think it will not only give insight into like how we as managers can sort of strategize and go forward, but I think if the announcements big and thorough enough as they're building it up. It'll also give an insight into sort of their vision, their long-term yeah. vision yeah. for the platform, where they're going. They can't please everyone. You can't really please. You cannot, If you're investing your time and efforts into making the game more enjoyable, putting money into things that interact with customers that but don't give them extra profit margins, or you go in to make it a super hyper-competitive environment, but there's going to be a lot of a lot bigger losers financially. You know, you, you, it's, it's seldom you can have a saturated market where there's really big winners and just barely any losers. That's kind of gets a little bit sketchy, right. you know. So exactly. if it has, as sort of the, say, as everything matures, we'll, we'll kind of see how that all develops. But I think it's, I think, yeah, it's going to be, I'm looking forward to seeing it, the announcement and seeing, um, seeing what we can sort of obtain from it. Yeah, agreed. I'm definitely looking forward to it. We will have... Um, I'll have my Twitter going. I know Nashi will be on the on the tweets as well. Um, once the stuff comes out, we'll give you some some live reaction to that. Hopefully, it's good news. Hopefully, it's stuff that we can celebrate. Hopefully, we can look forward to. Um, but we will be there either way. I do want to move on to shall we? Maybe our last thing, um, and that's kind of expectations moving forward here. So obviously, this is slower in the states. We want to keep things focused on U.S. for the most part. Um, so what are your, what are your kind of expectations? You're newer to the league. Um, is there anything that you're interested to see anything that you're, um, I don't know, where, where are your, where are your thoughts at here as we move forward and, and kind of keep, keep going through? I mean, personally, my goals for the season, um, this year, this is the first year that I decided, all right, I want to, I'm living in the States. I want to really get into the MLS and not just through the betting, not just through... I, I, I want so rare to be the medium that brings me closer to the league, gets me to learn. It's such a big learning curve. And I'm just really excited for it. I'm, I mean, I'm really excited for how the season develops, to get into the playoffs, see how that works. It'll be my first real experience of being connected yeah, to the league by then, I hope. And, and yeah, and seeing how players develop, seeing... How these young guys through the guys who I have expectations for now, seeing how they they come out like every every football every start of the season is the most exciting time. I am not knowledgeable enough to have big predictions to have big things that I'm putting out there. I'm I'm almost trying to absorb now, trying to learn from people like yourself, and also just watching and being more immersed into it. Um, so so yeah, I'm excited. I mean, you're probably a little different. Are you, is there any sort of themes that you're looking to sort of keep tabs on anything that you going forward that you kind of have, can highlight for the people out there to uh, keep an eye on yeah so one of the things that i'm actually low-key kind of looking forward to is kind of watching you watch the league and just see where we are as a league you know like i have I, I i'm obviously american i have you know biases toward the mls being a pretty decent league 
Um, and I kind of want to see where where you end up on that spectrum. If you think, because I've I've heard some people say that we're close to the Holland. I've heard some people say that we're basically the sixth best team, the best sixth best league in the world. I've heard some people say that we're not in the top twenty. Um, so it's kind of all over the place. I'm I'm interested to see from a real, you know, footballing talent perspective, how talented is this league? Um, so that's one thing that that's kind of really going to be interesting to me as far as the actual season itself i mean every season is so much fun i obviously have a team with dc united that i follow um things haven't been great early in the season to be honest they they have six points which is good but uh they've they've shown some serious cracks and and some you know i kind of thought they would take a step forward and it doesn't really look like they have they've got a new striker coming in in taxi fontas I'm so excited to see if he can maybe be a difference maker. Um, but I really do enjoy is the there, league um, overall. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, is there anyone, because this is another kind of weird thing that I'm kind of noticing now, because obviously I have an Insigne card and I bought a Jairo Torres too. Mm-hmm. And them coming in halfway through the season seems a little weird. My thoughts will be, firstly, or do you think they just come straight from their league that they're playing in now, they're straight in the team and they just pick up where they left off? Or is there going to be a time where they need to either get used to the fitness or the travel or the stuff like that? They'll work them into yeah. the team in terms of utility because, you know, the Soria people are going to want to know that. Yeah. That's my first question. And my second question would be out of them people coming midway season, obviously you've got Insigne, is there any other players that you kind of think that I, someone like me won't be aware of this coming over that you're looking forward to seeing? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, so as far as the people coming over, I mean, Insigne is obviously the big one. I don't think we have anybody else confirmed that I know of other than Jairo Torres. Um, so, I mean, obviously that stuff will start to come, especially as we get towards the end of the European season and guys start to realize that they're not going to be picked up by their their current clubs and they start looking around for options and it will also come when mls teams realize maybe they're not as good as they thought they were maybe dc needs to go and add another dp in order to be competitive so that that kind of stuff will come and i think we're maybe a little too early to kind of look through this summer transfer window as far as guys coming in once they do come in mid-season it's really tough. You don't see a lot of guys come to the MLS and just start killing it immediately. The exceptions that I can remember were Zlatan, I think, came in the in the summer and was just a, absurd. Um, and then last year, Driussi was really, really good in the summer. But typically, you're going to see guys come in and... I don't know if this is a mindset thing where they think the MLS is a retirement league and they're just not mentally prepared to play in it because uh, the MLS is a very physical league. The, the league it gets compared most often to is the English championship. It is very, very, very physical. That's what us Americans like. Um, so they allow quite a bit. There's a lot of physicality on the ball. So a lot of times the more technical players like Insigne come over and, and he's been playing in Italy, so it may not be quite as big a transition for him. Um, but I mean, you had, you had a guy like Pirlo came over and really didn't do too much when he was at NYCFC. So yeah, I mean, first year can be really, really tough for guys. 
getting used to the travel, getting used to the physicality is is definitely a big step, especially for that's, guys coming in in the summer. Yeah. That's not what I want to hear, mate, because I've been, <laughs> I've been waiting for Insigne, Insigne to get there and be banging out hundreds every week. So that's, that's not what I want to hear, but I have a bit of faith. See, I'm I'm so All torn right. because Insigne definitely has so much talent. Um, and he may be the most talented player to ever come to the MLS. So he's clearly he's going to be very, very good. Is he going to be banging out hundreds every week, though? I don't know, man. Ta- Toronto doesn't have a whole yes. lot going for them. Yeah, the, the answer is yes. All right. Um, so, yeah, I think we've about covered everything. Is there anything else that uh, you want to add or anything you're looking forward to next weekend? Or should we just... Uh... Should we wrap it up here? Um, I think maybe one more thing just, just quickly to add here is, is definitely some new players coming into the league that are going to get minted for the first time. Um, there's a few really good kids that, that you should definitely be on the, on the, on the lookout for. And I think we're going to see a ton of these. Th- these guys are going to go for some, some serious money. So they're not going to be, you know, just bottom feeders, but um, if you can get your hands on one of them, you'll be pretty lucky. So one of my favorite, favorite players that came in this year is Facundo Torres. And we just talked about how typically it takes a little while to get used to the MLS. He seems like he's been in this league for 20 years already. Still a young guy, plays for Orlando, got some decent talent around him. I really like the start from Facundo Torres. Then another guy I like is Alan Velasco from Dallas. Dallas has looked really, really good, and he hasn't played a whole lot. So I'm excited to really see Dallas moving forward. If they can kind of morph into almost like an LAFC in 2019, like an unstoppable attack. Um, so that'll be interesting to see. And then maybe a guy that, that you and I saw together, Tiago Almeida. Um, we got to see his debut in Atlanta against Charlotte. So I don't know if, did you have any thoughts about Tiago Almeida? I haven't watched him for uh, 20, 30 odd minutes. He, he looks sharp. And yeah, I mean, he came on for the, the end of the game. But the way he carried himself for such a young man, it stood out. He looks confident. He looks like he's not overawed by the league. We're in a huge stadium full of people, you know, the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And he, he looked confident when he got the ball. He wanted the ball. And you, although he didn't get too much involved in the game, I think you can tell a lot from a young player about yeah. their body language, the way they carry himself. And that's what I saw, even in that brief cameo, that he, he wanted to get on the ball. He knows he belongs there. He can be a leader in this team. He can be a standout player. So he obviously got a really nice goal um, last week. And yeah, I think he's going to kick on. I think he's going to be the real deal. I mean, they paid that sort of money for him. Right. Um, I'm sure they sure they knew what they were getting. But yeah, he doesn't seem overawed by the situation. So yeah, uh, yeah well, he could be. I mean, I don't think he'll be cheap, but he could no. still be a, I don't think a quality buyer either. for the season. Yeah, and, and another thing with him is Atlanta has some really easy games for the next, like, two, three weeks, four weeks, something like that. They just have some real nice nice little nice little run here. Maybe hopefully I'll get on with, yeah, my, yeah. Wait, with my new Atlanta stack. Who, 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 who have they got next, mate? I didn't, I didn't playing, see that. Who do you know who they got next game? Uh, <laughs> I do know. Let me see. It's your boys, DC United. Oh yeah, they're gonna smoke us. So <laughs> nice, easy, nice, easy game. <laughs> yeah, they're gonna smoke <laughs> us. And then I think they have what Charlotte. Yeah, they're away at Charlotte, home against Cincinnati, and then away against Miami, and then away against Montreal. So the next five are basically the five worst teams in the East. And then they have your boy Chicago at home, so that's an easy win too. So really, the next yeah, six right. looks pretty good. We'll see about that. 
big yeah. big Gaston will uh, put a boot into Almeida early, early on and <laughs> might be the end of his season. You never know. Ugh, don't say that. No, mm-hmm. no way. Um, so yeah, that's, right. that's, I think that's a, that's a great place here to kind of wrap up. Obviously the announcement coming out tomorrow, we'll have full coverage of all of that on our socials. We're on Twitter. If you have any questions, I'm at MLS card guy. Where are you at Nashi? Uh, yeah, just Nashi, sorry, Messiah on Twitter, pretty new to Twitter, but yeah, follow me, hit me up. I love it. Love some advice. DMS are always open. DMS are always open. Uh, we got the discord we got we each have our own youtube channels as well but they told us we were too beautiful for youtube so we're doing the podcast as well um just to just to kind of give everyone a little bit of what they want um so we're all over the place no, they, they, yeah. Go they ahead. told me i got a uh, a face made for radio that's what oh oh <laughs> yikes that's a good one <laughs> but yeah uh, so yeah we're, but no, we all... that, was, that, was, that was brilliant all over everything um and then we'll be back hopefully we're going to be releasing on mondays and try to give a little recap for the weekend that just happened and then maybe a little look ahead so we appreciate all the support definitely reach out if you guys have any ideas anything that you want to see we may have a little spot for questions depending on how things go we might get some guests in here we're kind of up in the air nashi we'll just see how everything rolls um but i think uh really 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 good place to stop here yeah, mate, it was exciting. I mean, the, the first first one, I was a bit bit nervous, didn't know how it was going to go, but we once oh, we got talking, we rolled into it. And I, I had a lot of fun anyway, so hopefully people enjoy it. I could tell you were shaking in your boots over there. It's all good, though. <laughs> we'll, we'll, get, we'll be better the next time, I promise. All right, so that's it for this time. Until the next time, vamos United. Let's go.